Well, let's, uh, let's get into the book of Hebrews. We're going to be doing chapter 3 today. I don't know about you, but I've been really blessed going through the book of Hebrews. Um, it is one of the best books that you can use when somebody that doesn't know your Jesus comes to your door. Because every, it covers everything. We, we've been looking at the superiority of Jesus over angels. Today we're going to look at the superiority of Jesus over Moses. We'll see the superiority of Jesus over all creation, all priests, all mankind. Jesus is on a level all by Himself. He is not number one out of ten gods. No other false god even comes close to Him. Jesus is number one all by Himself. And we need to acknowledge that. And we need to upsize our worship to worship a king that's worthy of our praise. He's done everything possible for us. He's given us eternal life. He only asks one thing of us, is to go out and preach the gospel. And of course, obey. The more we obey, the more we draw closer to him, the more strength that we'll have. The more we get into his word, the more we serve him, the more we're going to hear him speak. Is God speaking to you today? Are you taking the time for the Lord Jesus? Or has your life become so busy you don't have time for the King of Kings? Boy, I know how it is. I know that some of you work two, three jobs. I know that because of the way things are in this world, life is busy, busy, busy. And I once heard a pastor tell me that every day he'd get up first thing in the morning, he'd pray for an hour. But some days he'd wake up, he didn't have time to pray for an hour. He said, those days I prayed two hours. Just seeing if anybody got that. <laughs> the importance of having a relationship with your Father in heaven. The one that's going to give you the strength and the power for the day. How could you not make time for Him? We have a God that wants to hang out with us. He says pray without seeking. That means He's willing to have a relationship with us without ceasing. That means His love is so tremendous for you, you have no idea. We don't understand the love that Jesus has for us. We understand uh, the love we have for each other. We understand the love we have for children. But we don't understand the power and the depths of God's love. I don't know if we ever will until we're standing in His presence. And so we see here in these first verses here, we see chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, he's talking to believers, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he who hath builded the house has more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for the testimony of those things which were to be spoken after, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Father, we thank you. Whew. Thank you. You are amazing. I pray that you would allow us 
to understand the depths of your love and to know everything that you want for us, to understand. Lord, help us to get out of the way and allow you to rule in our lives. Fill us afresh right now. Give us ears to hear. The Holy Spirit speak to us, Lord God. Help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of You. Pour out Your Spirit on this place. And minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The title of the message is Resting in Jesus. Are you resting in Jesus? You know, the storms of life, the fiery trials, the giants that you're up against can cause you unbelief. Can cause you not to trust in the true and living God. When we get our eyes on our circumstances more than the Creator, we will suffer unbelief and separate ourselves from the true and living God. So many times, I hear people cry out how big their storm is instead of crying out how big their God is. And if you take your eyes off the Lord and you put it on your storm, then you can't see Jesus and you're in deep trouble. You need to switch that thing around. You need not to be crying out to God how big your storm is, but cry out to your storm how big your God is. And rest in Him. Now that's easy when everything's going great. But when financial problems hit, inflation, loss of a job, cancer, some other physical ailment, it's easy to lose hope. It's easy to say, why God? Why God? Why are you doing this to me? Why are you allowing this? Did you ever stop to think maybe what you're going through is for the better of someone else? That a lot of times the pain and the suffering that you go through and I go through, we realize for the reason that there's somebody we're going to come in contact with that we never would have got in contact with unless we were in that circumstance. And God will use you as a vessel to preach the good news to them. So one of the ways we can stop resting in Jesus is getting our focus on our storms. Another way is going back to sin. Falling back into that old lifestyle after you've already tasted the heavenly gift. After you've already experienced the goodness of the Holy Ghost and the presence of Jesus in your life is to somehow during your hard times, during your trials, during your storms, kind of drift back into the old you. But there's a big problem with that. The problem's this. You can't go back to the world. You got too much Jesus in you. And you're going to go back and you're going to try to do the old things you used to do and you're going to be miserable. Praise the Lord. It's not, going to be, it's not going to be exciting. It's going to be miserable. But if you stay in that sin, it's hard for you to come back to church because you got too much of the world in you. Why don't you just 
Get on your knees and ask Jesus for forgiveness. Let him cleanse you. And you know, there's an importance to us as as believers to encourage. We're going to talk about this today. We're to exhort one another. What does that mean? That that means encourage. That means lift up. That means challenge. That means saying, bro, I see what you're going through and my heart's breaking for you and I want to be there to help you. You need to get back on track. Going to someone in love and saying, man, I see what you're going through. That could be me in a heartbeat. I'm here for you. I love you. God loves you. Let's get back on track. Come on, buddy. See you Sunday. Because we need encouragement, don't we? I don't know about you, but I need it. Because some days I just don't feel all that great. Some days I don't feel all that saved. Some days I could use a little encouragement. Thank God we always have Jesus. He says, pray without ceasing. That means He's willing to have a relationship with you without ceasing. Draw near unto Him and He'll draw nigh to you. What does that mean? That means we make the first step. He says, listen, if you want to have a relationship, I'm right there. I'm right there. Who else do you know that you can do that with? Who else in your life is always there? Jesus. The author and the finisher of our faith. Another way we can drift away from Jesus is becoming self-righteous. When you become self-righteous and legalistic and caught up in legalism, like what Paul is dealing with here with these Hebrew Christians, you can stop resting in Jesus because now you're trusting in yourself see the danger that was happening here is they they were starting to put Moses above Jesus and the writer had to come in and say listen Moses was great but Jesus is greater Moses did a great thing but Jesus did a greater thing and they were getting dragged back into legalism. They were getting dragged back into the law. And the problem with that is that they were being pressured by the majority to go back to sacrificing animals, which is a slap in the face to Jesus Christ, who was the final sacrifice once and for all. No need sacrifice anymore because he finished it at the cross. To go back would be to crucify him afresh and say, listen, you didn't do enough. You did your part, I got to do my part. You got nothing to do with it. The gift of salvation is purely a gift from Jesus. He did it all. You can't add to it. And to go back to legalism, and boy, I'll tell you what, it creeps in. Man, you start thinking you're better than others because you know a few more verses or you're serving or you're giving or whatever it is. And, and in this case, they were getting pressured by the community to Go back to sacrifice. Go back to circumcision. Go back to dietary laws. Go back to the law of Moses. It's Jesus and the law. That's not what Jesus taught. Moses came bringing the law. Jesus came bringing grace and truth. And he put an end to the law. Read your Bible carefully. We're no longer under the law. But see, the danger in that society was for a Jew to accept Jesus was to be ostracized, kicked out of their house, not even allowed to buy or sell in the market, uh, to have their spouse divorce them because they became a believer in Jesus Christ. So there was a lot on the line. And and the, the people were buckling to the majority that was pulling them back into legalism. 
And how many people in this world are pressuring you on your faith? How many people are pressuring our country what's right and wrong? And it's so scary for people to be on the minority side, you know? The majority are just so crazy and just out there trying to pressure everybody to be like them. You know what? I'll tell you what. If it's just you and Jesus, you got the majority. Stand up for truth. Jesus was never worried about numbers. When He spoke that hard message and thousands upon thousands upon thousands walked away, never to return again, He looked at the twelve and He said, you going to go too? He's interested in truth. And just one standing up with truth with Jesus is the majority. And he warns us to stay away from legalism. Let me read you something from Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. Verse 6. Paul says to the Galatians, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Paul says legalism is another gospel. Paul says going back under the law is another gospel. Paul says anything other than Jesus Christ crucified for our sins, saved by faith in what Christ did on the cross, is another gospel. And he doesn't speak good about it. He says, which is not another Anything other than saved by faith and what Jesus did on the cross is not the true gospel. He says, it is not another, but there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel, boy, that's for somebody, from heaven preach another gospel unto you than which you have, we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. The word is let him be damned. Let him go to hell. As we said before, so say now, I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than, the, than what you have received, let him go to hell. Let him be accursed. For, I, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I, cer I, cert but I cert certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, and he's saying by man in a sense, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only what I learn of you, received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? He's saying to them, listen, you're going back to works, you're, you're, you're walking away from truth. You're departing from the living God with this idea that you're saved by faith in Jesus and works. Saved by faith in Jesus and a church. Saved by faith in Jesus and what version of the Bible you use. Saved by faith in Jesus and how you dress and eat. Saved by faith in Jesus and being baptized. 
If, if you're going that route, you're going after another gospel. It's saved by faith in Jesus, period. And he says, wow, you, you began in the Spirit, and now you think you're going you're gonna to perfect it in the flesh? God forbid. God forbid that you and I think we could outdo Jesus. Man, just let him have his way. Let him do everything in your life. It's a lot simpler. He says there in uh, Galatians 3, verse 24, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith is come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. That is such good news. Hello. The Bible just told you. The pur- what's the purpose of the law? To show you that you can't keep it. If you break one commandment, you broke them all. And that one he throws in there about coveting, that's the one that nails all of us. Because you could say, yeah, I'm just loving Jesus, that's it. Yeah, I'm honoring my parents. Yeah, you know, I don't murder, I don't steal. You know, I'm not committing adultery. Uh, Coveting, ooh. Because that is a nice car that guy's driving. And there's all kinds of things that pop into our heads. And he says, listen, if you broke one, you broke them all. That's why we need Jesus. We need a Savior. The problem was Jesus came to His own, and His own received Him not. John 1.11, He came unto His own. His own did not receive Him, but as many as received Him to them, He gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Are you born again today? I hope so. Because it's the only way to heaven. you got to be born again. Born twice, die once. Born once, die twice. You only want to die once. Actually, I don't want to die at all. I want to go up in the rapture. I want to be born twice, die nothing. (laughs) So he says to them in chapter 3 of Hebrews, he says the first verse, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. The better word would be confession for profession. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. What's an apostle? A sent one. Someone sent by God to speak to you truth. What's a high priest? The high priest represented man to God. So he's saying to these Hebrew believers, he's saying, consider what you're about to do. Consider what you're about to do. Do not go backwards. Consider what you're about to do and consider who you're putting your trust in. Are you putting it in Jesus Christ or are you putting it in yourself? Because too many times I can start putting my trust in myself. Amen? And how do I know when I'm putting my trust in myself? Because I start freaking out about things. Nobody can relate to that, right? (laughs) He says, consider the the apostle, the sent one. Jesus sent from the Father to man to represent man back up to the Father as our great high priest. Consider that. He's praying for you every day. Do you know anybody like that? He's interceding for us. And when I stand before the Father and He looks at me, He's going to look at Jesus and Jesus is going to go, Dad, He's one of mine. He's got the blood. Oh, what a day that'll be, right? He's going to show them that 
he is more superior than Moses. He says about Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him, speaking of the Father, that appointed him, Jesus Christ, as also was faith, Moses was faithful in all his house. So he's not going to say anything bad about Moses. He's going to say good things about Moses. Moses was great, but Jesus is greater. That's the whole point that he's trying to make because these guys were putting Moses on such a pedestal that they were returning to works and adding to their salvation works. And Paul, I believe Paul wrote Hebrews, is trying to encourage them, walk away from that and get back to the simplicity of faith in Jesus Christ. He's saying here there's nothing wrong with Moses. Moses was faithful in God's house, but Jesus Christ is greater than Moses. Why? Because of his accomplishments and his position. Verse 3 and 4, he says, For this man, Jesus, was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, insomuch as he, Jesus, who hath builded the house, has more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And so here he's saying, listen, Moses was good. Moses was great. Moses, when he came down off of the mountain, he came down off the mountain with what? The Ten Commandments and the blueprints to the tabernacle. The blueprints that... Moses had for a tabernacle which he would build, he was going to use material which Jesus Christ had already made. And he was going to build a tabernacle which was a model of a heavenly tabernacle, a more glorious tabernacle, and the model never compares to the real deal. That's what he's saying. The house is not greater than the one that builds the house. Jesus built the house. You ever built a model? Anybody? Anybody as old as me? When I was a kid, we did models. Model cars, model boats, model F-16s, model battleships. You can get a nice model for about two bucks, maybe five bucks for a really good one back in those days. And the neat thing was that those models were so cool to put together and glue them and paint them and everything like that, but they didn't compare to the real deal. You know, like when I make a, like a, you know, a model plane and then hang it once it's done in my room, right? A model F-16, woo, fighter jet. It's pretty cool, but it's not anything comparable to the real deal. Can you imagine me in fourth grade having the real F-16? School would be out for longer than summer, right? I mean, that's what he's trying to say here. The model is good, but... The heavenly real deal is, is so much better. Because Jesus created everything even that we use to build. Did you know that? Do you realize that? It's like that old story when uh, scientists came and they challenged God to a contest of making a man. God who created everything. And they said, we can make a man too. And he said, okay, great. And they said, well, let's have a contest. And he says, all right. And, and they go, ready? One, two, three, go. And they start scurrying around. They're rounding up dirt and they're pushing it all together. And, and, and Jesus stops them and says, wait a minute. Get your own dirt. He's created everything. 
And he's worthy to be praised. In verse 5 he says, And Moses fairly was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after, but Christ as a son over his own house. Whose house are we if we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end? He's talking to us about persevering. Run your race. Finish well. Get to heaven with some rewards for your service to the King. You don't want to get saved and then not do anything for Jesus. You don't want to, be, you don't want to show up in heaven with your pants burning. What would you do for Jesus? I didn't do anything. Boy, I just barely got in here. Whoo, I'm on fire. Talks about crowns in heaven. I want to see you with crowns on your head, not a copter beanie. You have an opportunity to earn crowns and gems and jewels to throw at the feet of Jesus and say, you are amazing. Look what you did through me. I give you all the praise and glory. I want to hear Jesus say to every one of you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want. That's my desire for you. He says, Moses was a faithful servant, but Christ is the Son. You don't ever want to mix those up. In the, in the old days, you know, when they had servants, you know, you had the master of the house, the master had his family, and people never confused the servant with the son of the Lord of the house. If you did that, you'd get yourself in trouble, right? You could even get put, in, put to death. And he's saying Moses was a faithful servant, but Christ is the son. And the son is always greater than the servant. The servant's not greater than the master. Now, I, I'm not going to embarrass any of you asking you here, but um, probably very few of us have live-in servants. And I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about paid personnel. Most of us don't. And they were confusing the difference between Moses the servant, and Jesus Christ, the King, the Son. Moses made a model, a physical tent, but God made us living stones, the temple of God. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in us. Christ in us, the hope and the glory. Praise the Lord. Moses is the servant of God. Jesus Christ is the Son. But Christ as son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast in confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end? We need to persevere to the end. Well, what about the backsliders? They'll be back. But what about you? Are you running the race? Or are you taking a break? Don't take a break. We're running out of time, guys. This is when we got to step it up. And I'll tell you what, as soon as you determine in your heart, I'm going to step it up for the King of Kings, guess what? You're going to get attacked. I'm just going to let you know right now. And when you do get attacked, you're going to praise the Lord because you go, Pastor Steve said this would happen, so I'm on the right track. And the attacks don't feel good. But it shows me that I'm going in the right direction. Because when I do something for Jesus Christ, there's only one person that doesn't want that to happen, and that's the enemy. 
And so he's going to do everything in my way to stop me from serving God, to stop me from giving to God, to stop me from loving on people, to stop me from forgiving people. He's going to do everything he can. And if I take his bait every time the enemy comes in to stop me from doing these things, then the enemy wins. I lose because I took the bait. And guess what's going to happen to you every time you try to serve God? Try to give to God. Try to get involved in ministry. Every time you try to get involved, the enemy will come in and hit you. And if he knows that gets you to stop and not do it, he will do it to you every single time. I'll give you, we'll try this one. Wednesday nights have been awesome. Come out Wednesday night. Okay? Just make a commitment. We're going to Wednesday night. All right? Here's what's going to happen. You're going to get sick. You're going to get sick and tired. You're going to get in a fight with your kids. You're going to get in a fight with your spouse or all the above. And you're saying you're going, and then you're going to say to yourself, Pastor, if we were coming on Wednesday night, but man, my wife and I start screaming at each other. and I just felt like such a hypocrite. I go, well, come join the rest of us. We're all hypocrites. The enemy is going to do whatever he can to stop you from coming through those doors. Don't take the bait. Fight the good fight. Amen. He says there in verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit saith, Today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts in the provocation. Now that's rebellion. In the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart. And they have not known my ways. See, Moses knew his ways. They did not know his ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. First thing I want to bring your attention to is verse 7. The Holy Spirit says. Why is that important? Because too many times I'm hearing people say, that the Holy Spirit is not a person, it's a power, it's an energy source, it's a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Bible says you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Right here it's saying the Holy Spirit says. Hello. I, I, I hear people, they get all upset and bent, you know, when people sing songs and the Holy Spirit's listed in that song. Who's the Holy Spirit? Who's, who's the Spirit that dwells in you? Jesus Christ. Christ is in me. The Holy Spirit's in me. The hope and the glory. He's, he's in me, guiding me, teaching me, revealing to me. The Holy Spirit always speaks of Jesus Christ and points to Christ. Why? Because it's Christ in me. God is trying to guide you according to His will. It's a beautiful thing, and I like that because He says, the Holy Spirit says. Now, I don't know about you. I want to listen to what he's saying. I guess the point I'm trying to make is if you want to hear from God, have an ear to hear what the Holy Spirit's saying. People ask me all the time, they say things like, you know, um, I want more faith. How do I get more faith? Well, the Bible tells you, faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. How do I have more faith? Read your Bible more. Some people say, well, how can I hear from the Holy Spirit? 
Simple. Serve God. Fast and pray. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Why? The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. We just read a quote from Psalm 95 that King David wrote, but I'm going to tell you right now, King David didn't write it. The Holy Spirit wrote it. The Scriptures are Holy Spirit breathed. So some prophet, some guy, had a quill in his hand, and the Holy Spirit came in and went, And what we see here in Psalm 95, a quote from Psalm 95, is a call to obedience from David, but David didn't write it. It was the Holy Spirit that grabbed David's hand and grabbed David's mouth and breathed into him. Psalm 95. And I want to read the whole psalm for you because it's beautiful. Listen to this. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and the great King above all gods. In His hands are deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are His also. The sea is His, for He made it. And His hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of the trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my work for 40 years. I grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Wow. The Holy Spirit wrote that. You're saying, why? Why am I not hearing the Holy Spirit? Let me read you something from Acts 13. Acts 13, verse 2, says to the church, this is, the, this is about the church, says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke. The early church, right around Pentecost, it said when they gathered together, and they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them out. How awesome is that? You want the Holy Spirit to speak to you? What is it saying? It says, When you minister to the Lord. What's that? Serve the Lord. When you serve the Lord and pray, you're going to hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. Don't you want the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Don't you want to hear that? What is he saying? Serve. Fast. Pray. I want more faith. Read more Bible. It's pretty simple. You know, I, I got to say, that recently we've had, in the last couple of months, a lot more people signing up for serving in the church, and it's been awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah. But I want to testify, I want to give a testimony that I've watched all those people that have signed up lately, 
and been serving, come to me and tell me how much more they're hearing from the Lord. How much clearer God speaks to them. The things that God's revealing to them. Why? Because they're serving the Lord and they're praying. You want to hear from the Holy Spirit? You want to hear from Jesus? Minister to the Lord fast and pray. And you're going to hear. Moses heard from the Lord. We just read Psalm 95. We read the whole thing. It was beautiful. Moses heard from the Lord to take the people out of Egypt. To get Pharaoh to release the people. And to go towards the promised land. See, Moses knew God's ways. The people didn't. They saw God's works. How do you know God's ways? You know God's ways when you start serving God, fasting, and praying. Then you understand God's ways. You get into the Word of God. You and I understand God's ways because we have the complete counsel of God here. The children in Israel, they understood God's works. They witnessed all the miracles. And Moses led them out of Egypt. And i got to tell you, they could have been to the promised land in 11 days. Because it's only an 11 days journey from Goshen to Kadesh Barnea. Now, they had roughly 2 to 3 million people. So it took them about two years to get there. But when they got to the border, right there at Kadesh Barnea, Moses sent 12 spies out, one from each tribe, to go scope out the land, to spy out the land, this land that God said, well, I'm going to take you into the land of milk and honey. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be mind-blowing. It's going to be for you. And they went and they witnessed the land, and it was everything that God said. And they brought back pomegranates and fruit, and they brought back a cluster of grapes that two men were holding on a pole that was about five, six feet for one cluster. Now, if you look at a cluster of grapes today, they're about a foot long maybe. This one's like five, six feet. I mean, they're like walking like this. And they come in, they come back to the people, some two to three million people, and they're saying, man, it is everything God said. It's the land of milk and honey. It's prosperous. It's just, man, the fruit, everything's amazing. But there's one problem. There's giants in the land. There's Anakin. And these Anakin were known to be 12, 14, 16 feet plus, not basketball players, but UFC fighters. Picture that. They said, we're but grasshoppers. We can't, we can't do this. Only two guys said, we got this. And they're like, why do you think that? Only Joshua and Caleb said, we got this. Let's go under there. They're just, they're just meat for us. We'll just chew right through those guys. We got God on our side. Woo! But unfortunately, the other ten persuaded the whole camp. And because of fear and unbelief, they didn't enter into the promised land. After witnessing all of God's miracles, after witnessing all the plagues that were on Egypt, remember that? Remember the plagues? The blood changing to water, the lice, the flies, the, the frogs, the uh, you know, firstborn being killed. And then, and then as, as Pharaoh said, get out of here before the 
all Egypt's gone. And they, they actually paid him to leave. They gave him gold and silver and gems and get out of here. And then they left. And then Pharaoh goes, what are we doing? That's our whole workforce. Go after him. And they charge after him. And then they get to the Red Sea and they see the troops coming from Pharaoh. And they're like, great, Moses brought us out here to die. Are you kidding me? And then Moses is like crying out to God. And, and God's like, what are you doing? Moses is like praying. You think that's what you should be doing. You should be praying at a time like this. And God's like, get up and get busy. Sometimes he's saying that to you and me. Man, I'm really going through it. Lord, I'm on my knees and praying. God's going, would you stop your snibbling and get up? Get busy. Moses, stand up. Smack the water with the rod. Watch what I'll do. And God brings this big cloud in and he blocks off the army of Pharaoh and then he parts the Red Sea and everybody cruises through it and then he pulls back the cloud and Pharaoh's army goes into it and they swallow him up. They witness that. They witness manna from heaven. Hello? How would you like if your food just dropped in your backyard every day? That would save some money, wouldn't it? But you know what? They were getting tired of manna, right? It was manna this, manna that, manna shakes, manna cotty, manna, 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 you know? They're like, I'm over it. So God brought them quail till it was coming out of their nose. God gave them shoes that didn't wear out for 40 years. God put a pillar of cloud by day to, to guide them, to protect them from the sun. God put a pillar of fire by night to guide them, to protect them from their enemy. They witnessed so many miracles and all they did was complain. And how many times Christians can be just like that? Complain, complain, complain. Always worried about what we don't have than realizing what we do have, eternal life. A God that loves us. It was unbelief that kept them from the promised land. It was the fear of giants that kept them from God's blessings. I want to ask you today, what giants are you facing that's keeping you from God's promises and God's blessings and resting in Jesus? See, coming out of Egypt was great, but getting to the promised land was greater. And God brought you and me out of the world. God delivered you and me out of the world. But He's not satisfied with just that. He wants to bring you all the way to the finish line. But many Christians in their unbelief and the giants that they're facing and the trials that they're going forth, they don't experience the, the, the promises of God. They don't experience the blessing of God. They're not experiencing the growth because of fear and unbelief. How does that all happen? You get your eyes off Jesus. You get your eyes off Jesus. Yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. Jesus does. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Man, it's really horrific, I know. We'll just keep looking up. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Lord, I don't know what to do. The enemy's huge. Seems like everything's coming down on me, but my eyes are on you. Amen. Verse 12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you evil, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. 
But exhort one another daily why it is called today, lest any of you harden, th- harden through the deceitfulness of sin. Once again, he says today. Today's the day. Today's the day. To what? Exhort one another. We need to encourage one another. We need to be there for one another. We need to help each other because we're all going. This is a nutty world. And some days you're doing better than me. And some days I'm doing better than you. And I want to come alongside you and just say, man, I love you. I want to encourage you. You got this. Or just to be at work with a coworker that goes to this church and go, hey, brother, I'll see you Sunday. Hey, sister, I'll see you this Wednesday. Sometimes that's all they need to get there. Is that you said, hey, come on out Wednesday. Hey, come on outside. Oh, I see, well, am I going to see you? Are you going to be at the outreach? A little exhortation. We need that. We need to exhort one another. And we need to encourage each other because, you know, sometimes I talk to people and they tell me of all the things they've done for the Lord and it's pretty cool and I love hearing those testimonies. But the thing is, you can tell me everything that you've done for Jesus, but what I really want to know is what you're doing today. What are you doing today for Jesus? The stuff yesterday, that's great, but that's yesterday. That's old hat. What are you doing for Jesus today? We need to stay busy for Jesus. We need to exhort one another. Why? Because the deceitfulness of sin will creep in on us. It happens so easy. It's not like you got up and you said, I'm going to sin today. It just kind of crept in. And how does the deceitfulness of of sin creep in? Unbelief. How many people unbelief in their true and living God because they're like, where are you, God? God, I can't believe you're doing this. Why is this happening? And because of that kind of unbelief, we'll go back to sin and to the world. The deceitfulness of sin. Unbelief can cause you to be deceived by your trials, by giants, by acting like, where's God? Why is God doing this? God doesn't love me. How come I'm not hearing from God? Maybe Acts 13. Serve God. Pray and fast. The Holy Spirit will speak. When you don't trust God's Word, you'll be led astray. And when you're led astray... You will lead others astray, and God will hold you accountable for that. I listened to a fella the other day tell me that he was talking to a guy about the church where that guy went, and the guy was boasting that he was married to the pastor. A gay marriage, gay pastor. And I my heart sank. It just broke. It was like that guy's being completely deceived. They're in complete sin, and now they're teaching others the same. And that pastor is going to be held accountable. It's scary being up here, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Let me close with this. Actually, let me just finish reading everything, huh? For we are partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. 
while he said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the rebellion, the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? <laughs> you got to love King James' carcass. How's your carcass? You working your carcass out? Putting on some makeup on your carcass? Whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. What's keeping you from entering into the promises of God? Let me close with this. If the worship team would come forward. Read God's Word. Serve God. Fast and pray so you can hear from God. Read His Word so you can increase your faith. And don't forget to exhort one another. To encourage them. Buddy, Am I going to see you at church? Bro, I see you're going in the wrong direction, but I'm here for you. I want to be there. I want to help. Help them get back on track to encourage one another. Encourage people to serve in ministry. Encourage people to hear the Holy Spirit speak. To just let somebody near you know you love them. And God loves you. Can I read you something in closing? I said I'm closing. That gives me 15 minutes. John 17, 20 talks about God's love for you. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read it. And that's it. Jesus said, speaking to the Father, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Man. Father, we thank you for that. If there's anybody in this world I want loving me, I want, it's, I want you. Because if you're loving me, I know I can make it. And so, Lord, we uh, just ask for some strength today. Help us to surrender. Just we, we need to be able to have the strength to yield ourselves to you because you're worthy to be served. We want to hear from you. We want to grow. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, just pray this in your heart right now. Say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. I, 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 I believe you finished the work. 
that it's salvation by faith and faith alone, that no man comes to the Father except through you. And so I come humbly and I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to wash me, cleanse me, and save me in Jesus' name. And if you just prayed that in your heart, you're a child of God. Welcome to the family of God. Whew, you have eternal life. 